Will They Find a Home? Sponsored by Geico. Steve is intrigued by the paranormal. Otherworldly spirits really make a house a home, you know? Janice has different taste. I'd like my house to not be haunted. Compromise is tough, but these two won't have to compromise when they bundle home and car insurance with Geico. It's easy, and they could save even more. In the end, Steve and Janice found a renovated Victorian that's only haunted from 9 to 5. Okay, wife's home. Y'all gotta bounce. Bye, Steve. Bundling without compromise at Geico.com. From the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios, it's that Josh Arnold podcast. Oh, hello. How are you? My gosh. Second full week of January 2021. Nothing really going on in the world, so <laughs> we'll uh, well we'll find something to talk about, won't we? I I know there'll be no shortage of good conversation today because man, my guest today, a rock on tour, uh, if you will, just a terrific, terrific hang. My guest this week, it's you. How the heck are you? Nice to see you. Thank you for being here. Oh, boy. Middle of January when, uh, well, quite frankly, when it's just cold, you know. Um, I'm sure some of you are in warmer climes, but uh, where I'm at in the Midwest here, it is uh, just cold. And it's not like uh, we've got a holiday, really, to look forward to. Um, you know, oh, it's it's cold out. And uh, Christmas is on its way. No, no, no. All that's over uh, for now. And uh, so it's just cold. And uh, we, well, we'll deal with it. And guess what? It's only going to get colder. And uh, so I'm not complaining. I'm just stating a fact. Cold. Uh, <laughs> and it's, you know what I'm upset about? It's it's just getting, it's cold down here in the basement. It's just, con- I'm surrounded by cement and concrete. And uh, I can hear the uh, the heater rattling over there but uh i'm not feeling any of that heat that it's pumping out so it's got me a little a little sour just because i'd you know i'd like to be a bit more comfortable i'll bring a shawl next next week that should uh, that should help things out boy speaking of uh being a little more comfortable i'd like to uh to get to this week's sponsor uh, very appreciative of uh, this particular sponsor this week uh, the sponsor of that josh Arnold podcast Pillows. Oh boy, don't you love love a pillow? I mean, I I, I fear that we take them for granted. Um, the next time you don't uh, think a pillow is all that special, try sleeping without one, uh, with nothing under your head there, nothing, no support. Boy, that's not comfortable at all. And thank goodness we have pillows to uh, well, to to make sleep uh, a bit better. You got all kinds out there. You got uh, regular. Uh, you've got, uh, memory foam. You've got, Ooh, uh, yeah, they have these, uh, these pillows out there. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have one. Uh, they're cooling pillows. So, uh, you lay down on them and my gosh, if they don't get cool, uh, and, uh, and kind of stay cool for a little while, that's, that's, that's nice. But, uh, you also have your, your decorative pillows. You've got, uh, body pillows. How about those? Um, <laughs> Pillows can be used for other things. Uh, ring bearers will often uh, 
use a pillow. You you put the ring there on the on the pillow, and they they walk down all cutely down the aisle. And uh, anyway, very appreciative of uh, pillows. Why don't you enjoy a pillow this week? Thank you, pillows. I'm excited about uh, this week's visit to Vocabulary Station because uh, it this is a this word is is bizarre. And, uh, well, I mean, they tend to be the, the words that I like to explore, but, uh, this one, it, it's silly sounding and, uh, it might be fun to use. So uh, what are we waiting for? Why don't we all hop on board and make our way to vocabulary station? Ah. It's nice to, uh, sometimes it's nice to, to ride on a train that's sort of open air, like at a theme park, but thank goodness we've got these, uh. These closed-in boxcars. Well, no. What, what, I guess, it's, is it a boxcar if, if people can sit in it? Um, anyway, we're uh, we're nice and warm in here. And, oh, but my gosh, here we are at Vocabulary Station. It's a short trip, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty one. And uh, this week's word is Zantippy. Zantippy. Isn't that fun to say? And uh, it's spelled... Uh, with an X, like xylophone, so X-A-N-T-H-I-P-P-E, Xantippe. What a strange word. And it means an ill-tempered woman or <laughs> like a shrew, uh, a nag, you know, a Xantippe. So uh, you could, uh, uh, you know, a young adolescent uh, boy might be complaining, well, my mom, uh, before I left, she made me change my clothes and then I... I uh, I had to put on a coat, and I didn't want to put on a coat, and then I had to wear a, a, a cap, a wool cap, and I, I'm embarrassed wearing this, but she was really, really mad about me not wearing them. Boy, she was being a real Zantippy. <laughs> Zantippy. Man, oh, man. Hopefully um, you don't have occasion to use that this uh this this week well i mean look it's it's uh a, a woman could easily use this word as well sure um uh, hey i don't mean to be i'm not trying to be a zantippy but would you mind cleaning up after yourself every now and again uh or uh, boy uh, my boss uh didn't care for uh uh something i i said and she she was a real zantippy about it zantippy use it this week i'm going to you know, in fact, uh, you could say that calling a, a woman a Zantippy would would make her uh, behave like a Zantippy. Why wouldn't it? Um, and she'd had every right to be acting like a Zantippy. <laughs> <If you, laughs> what a weird word. Zantippy. I hope you enjoy using it this week. And if you're able to, let me know how that goes. Um, I will. Uh, I would enjoy hearing... Particularly uh, the stories about that backfired. So, <laughs> hey, speaking of things I enjoyed, uh, why don't I tell you one of the things I enjoyed this week? Oh, look at this. The unsuspecting, uh, an unsuspecting gentleman carrying uh, some flowers and uh, maybe a box of candies there and some chocolates. Happily, happily, uh, <laughs> sort of sauntering down the street to this song when uh, lo and behold ooh, out comes uh, 
Mrs. Maythorn, and Mrs. Maythorn runs the general store there, and she doesn't like any... And she doesn't like Joy. She's a, she steps out, she, boy, is she a Xantippe, and she gets in his way, and he drops the flowers and, and the candies, and they spill everywhere, and she steps on the flowers and says, Get out of here. Boy, that poor man ran into a Xantippe. <laughs> All right. I should warn you guys, uh, this morning has been weird. I... I woke up and my shower got cold really quickly, so something's wrong with my water heater. Um, I have to get that checked out. And then when I got out, uh, when I was getting dressed, I uh, opened up one of my drawers and I got my boxers out and I put those on. And then I opened up another drawer, got a t-shirt, put that on. And then I went back to that first drawer, opened it up, got out a pair of boxers and put them on over the boxers I just put on. Just one of those dumb mindless uh, things where I, what, what am I doing? So I had to take those off. And so that's just kind of the, the, the type of day it is. So uh, forgive me for thinking that a, a gentleman caller being uh, confronted by the town Zantippi is so funny. Uh, well, it's, it's also that song. Anyway, what I enjoyed this week, well, I enjoyed many things. Um, I, I had a Rambo marathon over the weekend. That's right. Thursday night, I watched First Blood. Friday, I watched Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Rambo 3. Saturday, Rambo. And uh, Sunday, Rambo Last Blood. I had never seen that one. And I enjoyed all of them very much. <laughs> I really like them. Uh, they're they're fun. And, uh, well, uh, the last two are pretty bleak. Um, they, they, they're lacking in, in uh, humor. I mean... There's there are a couple wisecracks in the first three that you oh yeah that's kind of fun but the last two take themselves pretty seriously and they get they're like also Rambo Part Four Rambo it came out like in 2016 uh, I have to warn you is one of the most violent movies I've ever seen I mean the death count is astronomical and it is so bloody and so violent. Um, I, oh boy, it's almost hard for me to recommend because it's <laughs> it's like cartoonish, but in re, in sort of a real world scenario, it, that one's a tougher watch. Just so you know. Anyway, I did uh, I did enjoy my Rambo marathon, but what I'd like to tell you about this week, this is a classic. It's not a movie, uh, or or even a full book. It's a short story. I I talked about short stories a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it just got me thinking about some of my all time favorite short stories. And this week I went back and I read one that I loved. I, I, I had been uh, an English teacher of mine in junior high had told me about it. And I read it and it stuck with me for so long. And uh, I'd read it a few times, you know, like in uh, high school and college. And I hadn't read it for, oh boy, I'd say it's been 10 years, if not a little longer. And I revisited it this week and it still affects me. It's it's uh, it's chilling. It's a chill. But a lot of you might be familiar with it. It's called The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. I mean, it is it is a classic, and it's been adapted in in uh, for many different mediums. Um, in fact, I can remember a, a TV version of it that came out in the '90s, starring. Uh, oh man, I'm gonna forget his name, but he was like. A 90s MTV staple, 
And and I think he did Burger King commercials for a while. Um, my producer uh, Jason uh, doesn't. Do, do you know who I'm talking about? I'm I'm actually looking it up as uh, as I'm speaking because um, it's, for this guy to be in such a dramatic Dan Cortez, Dan Cortez, yeah, for him to have been in such a dramatic role was sort of uh, bizarre. But uh, anyway, the story itself, my gosh, published in 1948 in the New Yorker, yes, and it was met with uh, an avalanche of uh, letters to the editor demanding sort of uh, some people demanding an apology, some people demanding, hey, what exactly was that story trying to say? Um and I'll tell you what it's about without giving anything away because uh, some of the fun and, quite frankly, the terror comes from not really knowing what's happening until the very end. But the uh, the short of it is this small American town has an annual tradition where they uh, there's a lottery is held and one member of the community is picked. And um, I won't tell you why. You'll you should read it and find out. Uh, it is so well written, so so. One of the great things about the art of the short story is that no, ideally, there's not a wasted word in it. You've got less. You know, you don't have the luxury of in a novel where you can uh, you can branch out you can explore things a little bit more and deeper and not have to worry too much about uh straying too far from the core of the story but in this case uh i mean with short stories it's it's kind of there there's no fat on this short story at all and it is chilling the ending is is absolutely chilling and um it, it i think it really it, it's haunting it'll stick with you for a little bit so check it out, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. She also wrote The Haunting of Hill House and some other, some other wonderful genre uh, write literature. And it is literature. These aren't just uh, horror stories. It's really, really, really good writing. So uh, And it'll only take you a little, little bit of time. The Lottery. Ugh, creepy stuff. And really good. Let me if you check it out. Let me know what you think. I'd love to talk to somebody who who hasn't read it or hear from somebody who hasn't read it before. Just go, oh man! And some of you might even go, hey, why'd you recommend that to me? It kind of it uh, shook me a little bit. Um, all right, you know, I recently told a story about when I was a manager at a movie theater, and some of you have asked, um, hey, what what was it like working <laughs> at a movie theater? Um, and, and you've you've inquired a little bit about. Uh, about how that was, and I'd love to tell you about it. Um, I I often say, and I mean this, that being an usher at a movie theater at the age of 16 and 17, 18, what, was the best job I've ever had, with the exception of being on the Bob and Tom show. It's uh, I, I look back on it so fondly. I I loved this time in my life. I loved this gig. It was great. It almost didn't happen. I was uh, 16, and I had applied at this little video store. It wasn't 
like a blockbuster or um, a family video or anything like that. It wasn't a chain. It was just this small independent video store where I would go uh, a lot and I would rent old movies um, because I was learning about uh, film. I, I, Of course, I loved the, the stuff that was coming out at the time, but I, I would hear references or, or you know, you know things like hey about the about movies like the conversation or the french connection or old hitchcock stuff like that and so i would go and this place always had those and, and it was an old man that ran the place and I, every time i went i always felt like i was the only guy the only person in there and um i would uh rent these old movies and uh watch them and i, I loved it and i i kept asking this guy every now and again i shouldn't say i kept but every now and again i would ask if he was hiring and uh, he never was. And then one day he said, hey, uh, I am hiring. And I said, oh, I'd love to fill out an application. And he said, okay. And uh, I filled it out and I asked him a few questions. And he, it was paying $3.15 an hour. And I remember thinking, oh, man, I, <laughs> awesome. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to make that kind of money. Uh, I had had a job before in the state of Missouri where I was growing up. You had to be uh, 16 to get a job, but you could get like a worker's permit at the age of 15. And so my f- my my actual first job, I worked at a fireworks stand and uh, selling fire <laughs> fireworks. But I'm I will tell stories from that uh, at a later podcast. So I had that job, but uh, this was going to be my first. Hey, I'm 16. I can actually like work a real job. And I had also applied at a movie theater. My, my favorite uh, movie theater um, in St. Louis it was called Ronnie's 8. And uh, it was named after uh, the owner's son, Ron. And so it was Ronnie's 8, and it had eight screens. It was originally a drive-in theater, and they tore that down, and they built a uh, an eight-screen theater. And I loved it. I loved movies growing up, and... We never, we rarely went. I mean, I can remember every movie we saw in the theater because it, it wasn't that many, but it all, that's how af- affected I was by it too. I, It meant so much to go to the movies uh, with my family. And uh, then as I got older, I, I went all the time with my friends and stuff. But um, in fact, it was Ronnie's 8 and it was a company called Warenberg, Warenberg Theaters. And they were in St. Louis, and a cu- they had a couple theaters in, like, Arizona and Springfield, Missouri. But that was it. Um, maybe one or two locations elsewhere, but th- th- they were not a huge chain like AMC or uh, Regal or anything like that. And they, before every movie, um, I loved this as a kid. I loved this when I worked there. They, uh, yeah, and honestly... Back then, nowadays you go to a movie and you you sit through uh, commercials. They actually have a bunch of commercials, and then they'll play like a the movie theater jingle or whatever, and they'll have stuff about uh, their their membership programs and their concessions, and then and then they'll sh- you'll sh- see trailers for upcoming films, of course, and then they have another jingle for their theater, and then the movie starts. Well. Back then, they didn't have commercials. Uh, they hadn't really explored that source of revenue, movie theaters. And so it was just uh, previews and then the movie theme and then the uh, the movie itself. Well, Warenberg, before the lights would go down, they would start this movie jingle. 
And as it was playing, the lights would slowly dim. And I just remember loving this. In fact, I have the jingle from the 70s and 80s. And Jason, if you wouldn't mind playing that. So there's the projector. Oh, listen to this. Listen to that guitar. Yeah. It's got everything. <laughs> Isn't that nice? It's a lovely instrumental. Guitar is killer. There they are. There are the singers. And this is where the lights would start dimming. Oh, and by now. The lights are completely dark, and you're ready. I mean, that whole time, you know, like, I loved it. The lights were still up. That song would start. You go, oh, my gosh. We're, it was like the overture, and you're like, oh, all right, we're about to, here we are. We're, we're about to uh, be swept away into some movie magic. And the lights would go down right at that end note. It was completely black, and you watched the coming attractions, and then the movie, oh, I couldn't get enough of it. And, uh... So I had applied at <laughs> Ronnie's 8, and just, uh, I was offered two jobs at once. I was offered the Ronnie's gig, and I was offered the the, the, the um, job at the video store, and I really couldn't decide which job to take until uh, I realized, hey, Ronnie's is going to pay me three twenty five an hour, and the video store is only going to pay three fifteen, and um. I can so I can either and then the the other dilemma was I can either rent all the movies I want for free if I work at the video store or I can see all the movie all the movies I want for free at the at the movie theater and I decided you know what that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and work at the movie theater and I uh, it was kind of difficult telling the guy at the video store that I wasn't gonna take the job because I've been asking him for one for months and then when the time came. Uh, <laughs> he offered me one and I didn't take it, but I just flat out told him, Hey, uh, it's, it's three twenty-five at, at the, the movie theater. And, uh, I think he kind of understood. And I still went back to that little place and rented, rented old movies. And, uh, uh, it eventually closed and I was, uh, it was kind of a bummer, but, oh, well, you move on to other video stores, don't you? And so, uh, I started, I started as an usher at Ronnie's eight when I was 16 years old. I um, didn't quite have my license, so I, my parents were dropping me off and picking me up uh, for the first few months there, and uh, I would go into work, and I'd have to get dressed up, kind of. I'd have to wear dress shoes and black dress pants and a button-down white shirt, and then they issued me a vest, this Werenberg Theaters, a purple vest with a uh, a bow tie, a matching bow tie, 
Uh, so I was just this little 16-year-old dude. Um, and and at this time, my weight would fluctuate pretty wildly. I went from being, like, chubby to uh, pretty thin. Like, yeah, like, when I look at pictures now, I go, I was skinny. And then I would I would balloon back up, and then I would get thin again. All kind of depending on uh, <laughs> whatever was happening in my life. And so um, I'd go into work, clock in. And uh, it was great. It was, you know, the old school time card. You you push it down into the clock there, and chink, and it punct- punctures a hole in the card. And uh, and then eventually it would stamp the time that you clocked in and out on there. Oh man! And uh, then you'd grab uh, a broom and get ready to clean some theaters. And uh, I tell you what, these brooms. <laughs> Everybody had their favorite. You would have your own broom. Now, uh, there were good brooms and bad brooms. And everybody knew it. And you wanted to get one of the good brooms. And if you really found one that you liked, you kept it kind of stashed in the in the broom closet or in the uh, break room. where And, and people knew, oh, that's uh, that's uh Brian's broom or that's uh, Josh's broom or that's Casey's broom or whatever. <laughs> and uh if you knew they weren't coming in that day, you could maybe you could get away with using a, a better broom, somebody's better broom. And the the thing about these brooms was they were blue handled and by the end of your shift, the inside like that webbing where your thumb and uh index finger meet, they were so dark blue because You'd sweep so much throughout your shift. The paint would rub onto your hands. And, I mean, they it was just dark blue. So I, I just loved this job. I mean, sometimes I would tear tickets, you know, stand there and uh, tell people to enjoy the show. And that's, you know, that was fairly monotonous and, and uh, also... Uh, Filled with paper cuts <laughs> and um, sometimes gross. Somebody would walk up with a bag of popcorn in one hand and a soda in the other, and their ticket would be in their moist mouth, and you'd have to reach up, pull the ticket from their lips, tear it in half, and I'm not kidding, and I don't know why I would do this, but put the stub back in their in their mouth. Looking back, like now I'd go, are you kidding me? But back then, and I, I bet this still happens now. Uh, that's what that's what you would, because where else could you put the ticket? The guy's hands were full. That happened all the time, and it was sort of odd and embarrassing and gross, but you just did it. And um, <laughs> so that was one facet. Sometimes you would be on, it was called being on box. Uh, oh, no, no, it wasn't. It was called being on house. I'm sorry. Hey, go, uh. Uh, go work. You you have to work house. Is that what it was, or was it box? Either way, and that's when you knew you'd be standing there tearing tickets and uh, putting ha- one half into the box there and one half back to the person. And then at the end of every night, all those ticket stubs that the, the theater collected were bagged and sent to the main office. And I, I'm I don't know what they were doing. I'm not, because we had computers to tell us who bought tickets. How many tickets were sold and stuff like that? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical that there was a person that would open every bag from every movie theater 
and count those stubs and sort them or whatever they did. But we had to do it. Um, maybe somebody else who worked in the, in the movie theater business can tell me what exactly happened with those. Uh, I just don't believe that they ever uh, got looked at. I it, it just seems silly to me. But um, the other part, if you weren't working uh, box or house, whatever it was called, pole, that's what it was. You were working pole. Yes. And that sounds like something, well, I'm sure they say the same thing about uh, strippers, but uh, <laughs> hey, you're working pole. That's exactly what it was. Okay, I told you this might get a little weird today. Things have been a little off, but uh, working pole, my goodness. And if you worked pole, it was also your duty. They were brass. They were these big, heavy brass poles uh, with those, you know, velvet, um, purple, uh, <laughs> like chains that would go between them. And part of uh, your responsibilities working pole was to you had to brasso the poles in between rushes. So... Uh, when everybody's sort of in their in the movie theater, all the movies are showing, and nobody's really out in the lobby, you would brasso the poles and shine them up because they would get all fingerprinty and whatnot. So, uh, my God, is this, I hope this is semi-interesting to anyone. I'm loving this because it's just a total stroll down memory lane. I, I hope it's infectious. If not, I apologize. We'll see you next week. So, <laughs> anyway, uh but what I loved more about being an usher was the cleaning part. You you would have your broom, and every time a movie would let out, you'd go in, and you'd fill trash cans up with all the uh, trash that people left, and you'd sweep the floors and um, get the theater ready for the next showing. And that was always fun because you were constantly busy and milling around. And when you're in a theater uh, cleaning it, with four or five other people your age, you're joking around and you're talking about things and uh, you're finding things, um, uh, you know, things that people left. Sometimes it was money. And um, depending on the amount, you would either <laughs> just pocket it or you would uh, tell the manager. I remember um, <laughs> if it was in a wallet, my rule, this was my personal rule, all right? Um, my personal rule was if it was if it was in a wallet or a purse or anything like that, I immediately turned it in. That person, but if it was loose, if they were loose bills, uh, I kept it. I, <laughs> I kept the money. And one time I was cleaning a theater and I found $700. There was seven uh, fairly new looking $100 bills folded up on the floor and uh I, I i didn't i couldn't understand how somebody would drop that but this was such a large amount that i kept it but i kept it in my car for a week and in my head i told myself it was not morally wrong for me to take this money so long as i gave the person a fair amount of time to come back and get it and so i decided i would keep it for a week and uh, if anybody ever came um, asking, I would say, yes, I have it. And I would somehow quickly run out to my car, grab it, and get, get come back in. Well, the week goes by, and I'm not joking. That last day of the week, I'm cleaning a theater, and one of my managers comes up 
And he says, hey, there's an old man out here, and he says he lost. He was here uh, a few days ago, and he lost $700 in cash. Did you ever see it? And I said, and I just flat out fessed up completely. I said, yes, I found it, and I kept it. And I told myself that if this, if anybody came back <laughs> after a week, that uh, I would uh, turn it in. And my manager <laughs> was staring at me, and it was a mixture of disappointment that I hadn't reported it immediately. And I'd like to think the other part of that, it, there was a little bit of respect with me being so honest and upfront about what my plan was. So... Um, he goes, all right, go out into your car and get it. Don't let this guy see you. Uh, I'm just going to say that we had it in the office. And uh, I said, okay. So I was able to go out the back of the theater or whatever, and I got I got it out of my car, and I gave it to the manager. And I kind of hung out. I, I, uh, I, I, when, when I saw that he was going to talk to the old man, I, I hung out because I wanted to see, um, well, I just wanted to see how this went down. And so... I was, uh, you know, kind of sweeping the floor there, and the manager walked up. And he said, "Sir, here's your, uh, here's the money," and the old man <laughs> took the money and, without saying a word, turned around and walked out. <laughs> there was no thank you. There was, I mean, nothing. He took the money and just turned around and left. He didn't say. He literally said nothing. And I remember thinking, "Ah, man, I should have kept it." <laughs> <laughs> the guy wasn't uh he he wasn't appreciative at all but i quickly dissuaded is it dissuaded or dissuaded or dissuaged i could be what am i do anyway uh i quickly went you know what this is an older dude there might be like only one reason he's carrying around $700 in cash there there's a good chance he had to go get like medicine and um uh, he needed that money. I mean, what am I? What, what am I going to? And so I, I quickly went. No, this was all. This was. This was fine. This was fate. And uh, anyway, that was a, sort of a a, uh, a thrilling little moment there. And <laughs> uh, and I I just I, I moments like that hit me every now and again where I just remember these little things. I'll never forget, uh, and one of the things I loved about working at the movie theater, I loved when it was busy. I loved it. Around the holidays or during the summer, the big blockbuster movie times, it was always so active and so fun. Um, yeah, it was hard work, and you were working, and you weren't out partying with your friends, but you were also working with people you liked, and and I was working with people I liked. They made me laugh. I was working with people that I could make laugh. I was working with uh, girls I had crushes on. You know what I mean? It was just so, like, every, it was just really exciting. And I loved when it was busy because <laughs> the more people, the, the, uh, the more interesting things that happened. I'll never forget we had the Santa Claus that was showing, and it was a monster hit. And uh, there were a couple moments from just that little movie uh, that have stuck with me. One of them was uh, <laughs> we had the Santa Claus showing on uh, at least two screens, and they and it was selling out every every show. Well, a family film like that, obviously, a ton of kids, 
uh, parents uh, who are sort of uh, frazzled, spending a lot of money, uh, trying to keep their kids in line. They've got coats to wrestle with. They've got uh, all kinds of things going on. <laughs> so the, these movies tended to be a lot dirtier when it came to pick up, to, when it came to cleaning up than, uh, say, uh, an adult courtroom drama. You know what I mean? So you'd come in and the place would be trashed. There would just be garbage everywhere and loose popcorn and candy wrappers. I mean, just trashed. And what we would do in that instance, instead of sweeping the theaters, is we would pick up uh, as many of like the full or half-full sodas as we could, throw them all into a trash bag, and then somebody would take a leaf blower and plug it in and start at the back of the theater and blow, go just walk back and forth and blow all the garbage under the seats to the very front of the house, the very front of the theater there in front of the screen where all the ushers would be sweeping it all into giant piles and then shoveling it into trash cans. So the guy with the leaf blower would walk back and forth in every aisle and get uh, all that garbage up front. <laughs> well, uh, this guy, Chris, uh, he was a cool dude, and uh, he, he and I are walking. We just finished cleaning one theater, and so now we're going to help finish clean uh, the Santa Claus Theater. And so we walk in, and it's just a mess and uh, the leaf blower hasn't started yet. People are still kind of <laughs> cleaning up the soda so they didn't spill when the leaf blower went. And uh, we're standing in, <laughs> in the back of the theater. And I apologize. I'm going to use a word that's not safe for work. Uh, I'm just warning you ahead of time if you have to turn the volume down or, or whatever. We walk in, and uh, our managers, there are like three managers in there and a bunch of ushers, and uh, we see the mess. And Chris goes, oh, look at this fucking shithole. And he said it. And and as just as he finished the word hole, he and I both looked to our right. And there was a family of six <laughs> standing there. Two parents and four very little kids putting their coats on. And, and I I had to walk out. I had to leave and step out. I, I walked out and I walked down the hallway and I opened up the door to the outside so that I could lose my mind with laughter. And I was out there for like a minute, maybe. And I knew I had to get back in there because I was going to be in trouble for not helping or whatever. So <laughs> I, I walked back in <laughs> and... Uh, Chris, I see Chris <laughs> down by the screen loading trash into the trash can. And he's apologizing. He's still apologizing <laughs> as one of the managers is still yelling at him. And the family is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> they, had, they had left. And I, boy, I, that, make, that still makes me howl to this day. These people were so sad that... <laughs> Their children, they just enjoyed this family moment, and it was just taking them a little while to get ready, or to, you know, to leave. Or oh boy, I I couldn't stand how funny that was, and I I still I still laugh about it. And the other moment I remember from the Santa Claus 
was uh, these movies were so busy that what would happen is uh, as the movie's finishing up, a couple ushers would go down, and at this particular theater, the trash cans were kept behind the screen, and there were there were curtains there to keep you know so people couldn't see them, and so uh, but the ushers, a couple of us, would go down to the screen. So that when the movie ended, as soon as those credits started, we could grab the trash cans and start cleaning up uh, those first few rows. And uh, as people uh, were filing out of the theater. Well, uh, I'm told to go down to the front of the house uh, by one of my managers to, to, to do just that. And there's still like three minutes left in the movie. And it's sold out. But sold out at a movie theater means that they... Uh, in terms of like fire uh, department restrictions and stuff like that, you can't actually sell every seat. You have to leave, maybe it was 20 seats or something open like that. So um, there were plenty of empty seats in these in the very, very front row, except for one kid, and he was probably five or six years old, and um, I'll be honest, he, he, uh, he looked like me when I was five or six. He was uh, kind of uh, uh, kind of a little, you know, he had these little, you know, sort of chubby cheeks and uh, and messed up, uh, like messy uh, <laughs> brown hair or whatever. And I'll never forget the look on his face. He was sitting in the front row by himself, and he was looking up at the screen at the ending of the Santa Claus as though he were watching something so magical and something... So he was he you could have screamed in this kid's ear and he wouldn't have known you did it. I mean, he was just so transfixed and he had his little bag of popcorn in his lap and his little soda next to him. And I remember Judge Reinhold's character finally gets the weenie whistle he always wanted. And uh, he goes, my weenie whistle. And he blows into it. And this kid laughs. He couldn't believe how funny that was. And uh, this kid did something. Uh, so anyway, the, the the movie ends and the credits start rolling, and this kid's still looking at the screen. And I will never, <laughs> I'll never forget. He had a smile on his face, and and while he's still looking at the screen, he just nodded to himself as if, as if, uh, as if to say, yeah, "Good show." You know what I mean? He was just so pleased. And then I watched him get up, and he walked through some of the people who were already filing out, and he met his parents who were sitting further back in the theater. And that brought me so much joy. Not just how happy this kid was. He he must he thoroughly enjoyed himself, and he loved this movie, and he loved the whole experience. But I also loved that there was a bit of an argument when, the, when they got there of uh, him going, let's sit in the front row, and the parents going, no, we're not sitting all the way in the front row. <laughs> And then finally going, hey, why don't you go up and just sit in the front row? And he did, and he went, and he didn't care. He was by himself, and he loved being in the front row. And the parents, uh, you know, knew he was okay up there. They could see everything that was going on. And they probably enjoyed the the movie, the, you know, uh, a nice little uh, husband and wife time. And, um, and uh, you know, boy, it must have been a treat for them to know, oh, their kid's having a good time, and we can be back here and relax. And... I just loved that, and and it really did remind me of me. I must have looked the same way when I was a little kid, uh, looking up at, at the movie screen. 
And it, it just little moments that you just go, oh, man, yeah, this, even though this is my job, even though every day I'm here in this theater, and I do love it, but it does get monotonous and it gets dirty and it gets, uh, you know, sometimes I'd rather be doing something else. But you go, oh, boy, this is, movies uh, bring a lot of joy to people. And it was just great to see this kid experience that. And I'd like to think that he, that, that, that movie meant still sort of means something to him and that it uh, either ignited his love for cinema, maybe even his interest in cinema, being a part of it or whatever. Um, and I wonder if now when uh, reruns come on, you know, now the holiday season comes around and he sees that the Santa Claus is coming on, if he doesn't have his kids watch it, because this, this was in like 1994 or whatever when that came out. So... He very well may have his own kids, and he's watching it with them. Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to think of that. At the very least, I hope he goes. Oh, I remember I saw that in the theater, and because uh, I know when I see the Santa Claus is going to be on, I think of that kid. And uh, um, boy, I, I mean, I, just so many, so many fun moments working in the theater. The other moment that that really makes me laugh out loud <laughs> was. Uh, Batman Forever was out, and it was a similar thing to the Santa Claus. We had it on multiple screens, and they were all selling out. And uh, it was in the middle of the summer, though. And so as we're cleaning the theater, what would be happening is outside, people are lining up for the next show. They're waiting for the theater to be cleaned so they can go in. Well, Batman Forever, I mean, people were showing up early, and they were lining up. Uh, in the hallway outside the theater and then through the lobby and then even outdoors. It would, the line would go would go that far out. And so uh, we would clean the theater and then and then open up the doors and go, now seating, that, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> well, there was this guy, and I don't remember his name. He was uh, very nerdy and sort of socially awkward. He was this blonde, fat kid, and uh, he was like my age or whatever in high and I liked this guy a lot. He and I could talk movies uh, and uh, everything. But he was super nerdy and awkward. And um, uh, that was another reason I kind of liked him, though. I thought he was interesting. <laughs> but he was probably a kid who had a tough time in school. He was probably bullied. You know what I mean? But here at work, we were all kind of on the same level. There were there wasn't like that, that high school uh, cast system. It was just uh, your fellow employees. And uh, I liked that this guy was kind of a dork because I, I I'm kind of a dork, and so but I could make people laugh, and so I could fluctuate between like the dorks and the cool kids or whatever. I remember telling a, a buddy of mine that he was like, "Hey, were you a nerd in high school or were you cool?" And I could I went uh, I was kind of both. I could kind of bounce back and forth between the nerds and the cool kids. And he goes, "Sounds like nerd talk to me." <laughs> That was my buddy Jeff, and I, oh boy, that uh, touche, Jeff. Anyway, this guy, we cleaned Batman Forever. Oh, hundreds, I mean, over a hundred people at least waiting in line to come in to to be seated. And this, oh, I wish I could remember his name. He opens up the doors, and he looks at this giant line of people, and he <laughs> he goes, "Come, enter." Witness the story of a masked hero to utter silence. <laughs> no one in line was interested in this kid's <laughs> nerdy introduction to this. 
And he just kind of stood there as people started filing in, and I was howling with laughter because I knew this guy, and I knew uh, he meant it. He he thought that this was like an exciting way to get people into the theater and that they would be overjoyed at such a welcoming, and they hated it. They were <laughs> They were bummed out by having to stand in line for a long time, and uh, uh, it just bombed. It just bombed so hard. And one of the things that also made me laugh was this guy. This kid was unfazed at how hard that bombed. Like he wasn't trying to be funny; he was just trying to be special. You know what I mean? He was trying to make this like a real moment, and it just didn't work. And he he didn't care. <laughs> I loved it. And uh, a lot of just really, as I've said, uh, ad nauseum during this podcast, really good memories being 16, 17, 18 and working for 325 an hour. And I'll never forget when we got, we went up to 335 an hour. And then uh, I was eventually named crew chief, which was sort of uh, head of all the ushers. And I think I started making 355 an hour when I got that little promotion. And, um, Boy, uh, just just a cool, cool job. Um, one day I spent most of the day trying to kill a mouse. That was a that was a wild day. My buddy, uh, one of my best friends, Mike Russick, he and I were assigned a mouse. We saw a mouse run out of the uh, in the broom closet, and I told the manager, and the manager goes, "That mouse." <laughs> he goes, "That mouse cannot." escape that broom closet you and mike actually he said russick you and russick get in that in that uh that broom closet and you don't leave until you have killed that mouse (laughs) and it took us like an hour and a half to kill this mouse but we were uh we made sure that thing didn't get out and so we're in there and it's i mean this room is so small and so filled with junk that we could barely move but we knew this mouse was in there and it was it could be hiding anywhere and one moment was like out of a movie because there were times where the mouse would show itself and we would swing the broom to try to kill it and it would run away of course and so we're hitting each other accidentally we're knocking into things and for a while there we're really looking for this thing and uh Russick <laughs> this is straight out of a movie but it happened Russick looked at me, he turned to me, he was standing right next to this very big shelf that was covered with stuff. And he looked at me and he goes, where is this mouse? And right behind him, at eye level, (laughs) two inches from his head, the mouse was looking at me. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I go, Mike, it's right next to your face. And he turned and saw it and yelled and it disappeared. Well, finally, we found the mouse uh, um, on one of the shelves, and uh, I knocked it off of the shelf, and it hit the ground and started running, and Russick just smacked the hell out of it with the end of his broom and killed it. And uh, uh, we, we were in there for an entire rush, so it was over an hour, and we didn't have to do any cleaning. We didn't have to do anything, but it, <laughs> we killed that mouse, and uh, no, one, no one was the wiser. And uh, (laughs) 
You know, I could probably do a whole I could probably do multiple podcasts just about stories um from from this movie theater. Uh and others I ended up working at six six different Warrenburg theaters all around St. Louis and I went eventually became a manager of one and um um I tell you what I was making more money being a manager and I obviously had more uh, con- control and say about what was going on, but I I preferred being an usher. I I much preferred just being low man on uh, the totem pole and and just just making my holy cow forty five dollars a week or whatever it was, and uh, spending that money on CDs and Taco Bell and beer and um, you know. Working with uh, fun people and flirting and uh, meeting girls who who would just come to the theater and um, also just flirting with the girls that work there. And I'll leave you with these two quick um, uh, embarrassing sort of stories of how my flirting would often uh, fail me and uh, or how things would kind of get in the way of uh, ever really. (laughs) Well, this new girl started working there and her name was Casey just. The, so cool and so fun, and 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 at the time, the hottest girl working at the theater. We she was hired, and everybody went, "Oh, geez, how lucky are we that we get to work with her?" And then to find out that she was funny and cool, well, every dude there just fell in love. And I was assigned to train Casey. Uh, she was going to be an usher, and I was going to train her. And I was like, "This is great! I'm uh, I get uh, to be the first dude." To sort of try to make an impression. <laughs> so I'm showing her the ropes, and we're spending a lot of one-on-one time together, and it's great. Uh, I've been able to make her laugh, and um, she's made me laugh. We we're just having a good time. And I'm thinking, man, this is going really well. No, I, uh, I I don't know how I can transition into being um, not just a coworker, but uh, maybe somebody she's interested in. Well, I'm showing her how we have to take the trash to the dumpster outside and throw the trash bags into the dumpster. <laughs> so we're I'm wheeling this giant cart filled with uh, ten or twelve full trash bags, um, with with uh, popcorn and soda and garbage and uh, and butter. And uh, we get to the dumpster, and I'm trying to be cool. And uh, <laughs> these trash bags are are really heavy. <laughs> And I go, uh, you know, Casey, what you're supposed to do is uh, unlatch this, uh, this this fence here and take the cart into right next to the dumpster and, uh, and throw them in the side door of the dumpster. But what I tend to do is uh, not worry about any of that. I just throw the trash bags from here over the fence and into the top of the dumpster. And uh, <laughs> I go, here's, here's, here's what I do. And I grab one of the full trash bags. And she's standing behind me, and I uh, I can't just heave it over. It's so heavy. So I whip the trash bag back behind me, and there's a hole in the bottom of the trash bag, and it sprays Casey with soda and butter and popcorn <laughs> all the way up her front. It just – she's just – soaked in garbage juice and <laughs> she goes oh like i just hear this noise and i look back and realize what happened what had happened i mean it was on her face it was all <laughs> and 
any shot that I had at Casey was gone <laughs> from that moment. <laughs> we remained very good friends, uh, but it never got past that. And uh, uh, boy, I still feel a little bad about spraying Casey with trash bag drippings. <laughs> And the other uh, last uh, sort of embarrassing story was there was this girl, I don't remember her name, um, but she had made it clear, um, and I'm not, uh, by the way, I'm not disparaging this girl at all. She was very sweet, and she was uh, super nice, but she made it clear that she liked to hook up and that she... um, liked a lot of us that worked there. She liked my buddy Russick. She liked um, a lot of my friends. And she made it clear that she liked me. Uh, she was kind of... Uh, <laughs> and by the time that she made it clear that she had liked me, she had already like made out with a bunch of guys at work. And so I, I knew, hey, it was just sort of my turn. <laughs> Which, again, makes this girl sound awful. She wasn't. She was just a... a you know, and I hadn't, uh, I'll be honest, I was like uh, 16 or 17, and I hadn't uh, really had like a full makeout session with a chick. And so I was like, oh, man, I can't believe this is this is about to be my turn. And so I was helping float. And what that means is uh, a manager said, hey, I know you're an usher tonight, but I want you to go back and float behind all the uh, concessionaires and help get them ice, help fill their uh, sodas, do whatever, uh, because uh, there's such long lines at the concession stand. So I was floating, and this girl, oh boy, I I wish, I just can't remember her name. She said, I was working for, I was uh, mostly floating for her, because uh, everybody else had a floater. And so I was like, great, I get to spend some time with this chick who's starting to show some interest in me, and uh, this will be fun. And she's like, hey, I really need ice. Can you go back and get some? So I grabbed this huge bucket. And uh, <laughs> I take it back to the giant ice machine, and I fill it up. And when you filled up the bucket, it was it had to have been close to forty pounds. Something. I mean, it was it was kind of heavy for uh, a, a little at the time skinny sixteen year old dude. And so uh, I have it filled uh, with ice, and I hear her coming around the corner. <laughs> and so I rush to lift this. Uh, this heavy, uh, big bucket barrel type thing. It was almost like half a trash can of ice uh, so that she can see that I can carry, uh, that I'm a strong man, of course, that, that I uh, I have muscles and I can carry all this. And as she rounds the corner, I lift this thing up with some struggle and I start walking and I slip in melted ice and it's one of those cartoon falls where both of my feet came out from under me, and at some point, if you were to watch this in slow motion, my body was horizontal to the ground, like but up like four feet probably up in the air. I slipped so hard, just whoop, and I'm... <laughs> and she sees me, and I, I slip, and I, I uh, when I fall, the ice bucket leaves my hands, so I fall right, right hard, hard on my back into mel- into a melted ice puddle. And it was almost like a scene out of Home Alone where after I hit the ground and went, and in my kind of in my head and sort of that split second went, that sucked. I look up and the giant ice bucket is now falling on me and it hits me in the chest 
Ice spills everywhere. And that was, uh, nothing ever happened with her. She <laughs> That was the end of uh, any interest, I think, that she uh, may have had in me because uh, she, she moved on to another usher or whatever. So uh, anyway, uh, I'll have more stories um, about working in a movie theater, I'm sure, at a later date. And uh, in the meantime, why don't we talk a little bit about something that we can work on this week? Ah, that's happy music, isn't it? As it should be. It's good to work on things, isn't it? And that was a good job. I hope that that was kind of fun uh, for you to listen to. It, it, it was a lot of fun for me to talk about. Well, what I would like for us to work on this week, it's certainly something I've been trying to do more of. Uh, and I invite you to do uh, do it this week. Research something. And what I mean is, if you're reading or you're watching something or you're just thinking about something, or maybe you're talking with friends and a question comes up, um, and you're not quite sure what the answer is or uh, how something works, uh, take the time to look it up. Oftentimes, we'll, uh, we won't do that, will we? We'll, we'll be... Uh, well, let's say you're reading something and you come across a word you don't know the meaning of. You just kind of go, ah, I think I know what that means contextually, and you and you move on. Why not take the time? Look up the definition. Learn. And uh, if you're, you know, it could be something as big as, um, you know, you're watching the news and you go, boy, what, why are those, uh, what's the history behind those two countries not liking each other? Or... Um, What's the history? Uh, uh, you know, I, I I really like this celebrity. I wonder where they were born. Just anything like that. Take the time, just a few minutes, to look it up and research. And um, I I recommend checking multiple sources because you can go to Wikipedia and learn a lot about something. But eh, some of that, I mean, we all know anybody can submit to Wikipedia. You may not be. Um, you may not be uh, reading everything. In fact, if you look me up, I, I think there are sites out there that say that I'm worth $1.2 million. I'm here to tell you that is absolutely not the case. <laughs> I'm worth way more than that. So here's, <laughs> here's uh, that's what I would like you to do. If you're unsure about something or you just uh, have always kind of wondered about it, uh, Take the time to look it up and look it up uh, at multiple sources so that uh, at the very least you get um, a good idea. Uh, uh, maybe not the the specific answer, but a good idea uh, about what the truth of that, uh, whatever it is uh, you're interested in, is. So, yes. And my gosh, thank you for spending time with me this week. I always appreciate you being my guest. And uh, let's do it again next week.